A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Get in the long tunes with a bunch of demons. We believe that human beings are demons. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a a balance between I believe you have to know Christ, but God is in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. Really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God's by faith in his son. <laughs> Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 3, 7. Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. <laughs> Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. So put your trust in the sovereign risen king, who doesn't owe you one cotton picking thing. And yet he still promises to furnish his disciples, but we take what he's created and we turn him into idols. I'll never back down, so how can I keep it in? But you'll never see me preaching the sin of Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 45. And The Master's Dog, I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. Let's not forget that. Uh, The Master's Dog is my podcast where I deal with false teachers, and I've got a lot lined up over the next few days because there's a lot of false teachers that are just out there. COVID-19 hit, coronavirus, China virus, China flu, whatever you want to call it. Um, It's all good uh, from my viewpoint, but man, false teachers started coming out of the woodwork and not all of the stuff that I'm going to deal with over the next few days. We will probably have three or four more episodes of the Master's Dog this week alone. Um, Well, okay, that's an interesting noise. Turn your phone off when you're doing a podcast, Norm. That's the smart thing to do. Um, So yeah, probably over the next week, I'll probably have three or four new episodes out Um, just because... Again, they're partially dealing with false teachers, preach it, name it and claim it, prosperity pimp preachers dealing with this stuff with the COVID-19. And then one uh, just bad. Wait for the episode. There's a guarantee. There's a bona fide teaser. So 
Master's Dog is my podcast where I deal with false teachers. Started out with the faith and beliefs uh, portion of the Saints Unscripted, formerly known as Three Mormons podcast. Uh, and they started doing this faith and beliefs. They started with the Articles of Faith. And I said, this would be a good thing to, to deal with. So I'll respond to every single one of those. So today we are back with our friend David Snell from Saints Unscripted, formerly known as Three Mormons. Um, and the faith and beliefs portion of their podcast. And he is going to actually give us something with some substance because over the last two months, a lot of the stuff that have been has been in the faith and beliefs, I didn't even want to deal with because it was really kind of pointless, but I made a commitment. And so here I am being a man of my word. But today he's got a topic that is actually very, very important. So I've got a whole lot of more scripture uh, that I'm going to use to to deal with some of this stuff, and then we will. I'm sorry, heard a noise, and I thought our water softener was kicking on, which generally puts a, a downer on any podcast that I do because nothing I can do can drown that sound out. But that is not that is just the hot water heater. Um, like y'all wanted to know that. So I've got, um, and I've actually got to get to the, on my phone, hold for just a moment while I pull up this other scripture on my telephone and get ready to respond to what David has to say about whether or not baptism is required for salvation. So we're going to get into it with David. We're going to let him go. And as we usually do, he's going to talk. I will stop and respond as needed. So here we go. Uh, David Snell, Three Mormons, Saints Unscripted, all that good stuff. Here we go. Hey, guys. So according to Latter-day Saint beliefs, is baptism required for salvation? Well, it depends on what you mean by salvation. What most people probably mean when they ask that question is, do I have to be baptized to go to heaven? Well, Latter-day Saints believe in multiple degrees or levels of heaven. So technically, we believe pretty much everyone will be saved to a degree of heaven with or without baptism. That is a heresy called universalism. It has been dealt with many, many times over the years, but we'll, we'll leave that for another episode. I'm sure he'll do another episode on that, um, and we'll deal with that then. But in order to be exalted, in order to live with God the Father after this life, we believe baptism is required. For the rest of this video, we're going to take a look at some different viewpoints on baptism and hopefully come to a better understanding of the Latter-day Saint perspective on this. Let's do it. Okay, so the Bible talks about baptism a lot, but let's just get right to the words of Christ in John 3 and Mark 16. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. To some faiths, including us, it seems very clear from these and other scriptures that baptism is essential. Obviously. But some other faiths would say, well, what about all these other scriptures like Ephesians 2 that say we're saved exclusively by faith? For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So what's the deal here? Is baptism necessary or not? 
In the early Christian church, people clearly fell on the baptism is essential side of the fence. But that belief came with its challenges. For example, since nobody could be saved without baptism, the church began baptizing infant children. Because if an unbaptized child were to die, they'd be damned, right? And what about all those people who never had the opportunity to be baptized in their lifetime? Also damned? That doesn't sound fair. It's not fair! You say that so often. I wonder what your basis for comparison is. Well, over time, people started asking these questions and seeing the implications of required baptism. So during the Reformation period, the pendulum understandably swung to the other end of the spectrum, and baptism was an act of faith, but just a symbol and not really necessary for salvation. So in this battle of scriptural interpretation, one group says, Christ said baptism is necessary, so these other scriptures have to mean something else. And the other group says, Romans and Ephesians say this, so Christ had to have meant something else. For example, in the case of John 3.5, some people started to interpret the term water here as actually a reference to natural birth, or the Word of God, or the Holy Spirit, etc. Anything but baptism, even though the earliest Christians clearly taught that it meant baptism, but whatever. Latter okay, so here's the first place we're going to stop. First off, I couldn't see any of the early church fathers that he said absolutely said it was baptism. So we're going to go with that. But here, we're going to look at this this scripture, John 3. Now, again, this is what happens when you pull the scripture out of context. If we take that out of context, we could go, oh, yeah, he's talking about water. It means you're, you have to be baptized. This is what a lot of like uh, hyper-Pentecostal and stuff like that. You've got to be born of the water and the spirit. So you've got to be baptized and baptized by the Holy Spirit, which means you speak in tongues and all this other stuff and da-da-da-da-da. And a lot of those have some pretty heretical teachings in and of themselves. But let's put this back in context. Let's just take a minute. We'll put it all back in context and we'll see exactly what it is that Jesus is talking about. So we're going to start at verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, okay, this is, this is the basis. This is the premise. Unless one is born again. Now we're going to deal with what this born again thing is. Does this mean born again of baptism? Is that what it, he's talking about? So Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? So now Nicodemus is literally asking the question as ridiculous as we might think it is. Do I have to climb back into the womb to be born again? And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now Jesus takes and he addresses Nicodemus's question, do I have to climb into my mother's womb again? And Jesus says, unless one is born of water and of spirit. The water Jesus is talking about is absolutely natural birth. Because he's addressing what Nicodemus just asked. And he's saying, you don't have to climb back in there and be born of water again. You know, you have to be born, it's being born of spirit and, and so we, when we put this into context, we know 
And I would probably, I would venture to, to say, unless David wants to give me specifics and not just blurry little highlighted crap on a screen, unless you want to give me some specifics of what this was, then I've got to go with the fact that I'm thinking a lot of the early church fathers really did believe in believer's baptism and credo baptism. We don't have any biblical true proof of infant baptism. And I don't know, I mean, Roman Catholicism began to baptize babies at some point in time. And we've always had people who have, have you know, gone off into heresy and then God has provided somebody to bring them back and get right, set things right. So, again, I don't know if, if where that was or not. And, and again, I don't, let me preface that, I do not believe that infant baptism is heretical i don't agree with it i don't think it is effective i don't think it saves i don't think baptism saves you know we are we are not we don't there's no such thing as baptismal regeneration regeneration happens at the time of repentance and most of the time salvation comes before we were we are even baptized baptism is a command we are told to be baptized but it is not something that it is something that is born out of our salvation being saved and not something that saves us, if that makes sense. So I'm going to let him go on and then we're going to get into something else here in, in a minute. So we'll get back to him. But so there we know what Jesus was talking about in context. Jesus is talking I believe, I firmly believe, I think it, it's pretty obvious from Scripture that and when you put it into context, Jesus is, is talking about natural birth. Saturday Saints have a very unique view on this whole subject that preserves the integrity of the Scriptures and the justice of God. But no, you'll doesn't. need a little doctrinal background. Latter-day Saints believe that after we die, we do not just immediately go to heaven or hell. We go to what we just call the spirit world, where spirits wait for the final judgment that is to take place after the second coming of Christ. I'm in the spirit world. If you die without hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can be taught that gospel in the spirit world. In the meantime, we mortals are performing vicarious or proxy baptisms for our deceased ancestors. And in the spirit world, they have the option of accepting or rejecting that baptism. I need to do a whole episode about baptisms for the dead, but the point is, we believe that in order to live in the presence of God the Father after this life, baptism is essential, and one way or another, everyone will have the opportunity to be baptized. But, you might be wondering, isn't baptism still a work? Well, sure it's a work. Confessing the Lord Jesus, as Romans 10 instructs, is a work. I think just having faith is a work. It certainly takes work to have faith, but it's the purpose of these works that makes all the difference. The purpose of faith and repentance and baptism isn't for me to save myself. I can't do that. And that's the point the Bible is trying to make. I can go dunk myself in water a thousand times and I won't be any closer to earning my way into heaven. That's enough. That's enough. Only God can get me there. We look at baptism simply as a condition Christ has set on the reception of his gift of grace. For okay, so again, you've just talked out of both sides of your mouth. You're saying that the only God gets us to heaven but it's conditional on what we do. And so if we don't do these works, these works are done in order to meet the conditions 
of salvation. So we are literally doing these to save ourselves, as opposed to what the Christian belief is, is that these works come out of salvation. I am baptized because I am saved, because I want to be obedient. And again, we, we see in, in a lot of places, well, not a lot of places, we see evidence that going to heaven does not require baptism. It doesn't require one to be baptized to go to heaven. The thief on the cross is the, the natural um, uh, example. And, and true, we believe that, uh, you know, we'll, and we'll look at it here in a minute in Luke 16, that, that there is literally a, a holding place, I guess. I don't know. I, I, it's so hard to come up with a, a term, a, a term to, to, that doesn't take away from what it is. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. Paul said that, and it's absolutely, when, when a believer dies, we are in the presence of God in some way, shape, or form, whether we call it Abraham's bosom, paradise, whatever. And then there is Hades for those who do not believe, which is a place of torment. It's not just a, a place to be held. It's not just a prison. This is a place of torment. And we're going to get, I'm going to look at this here in a minute. But baptism is, is, is something that is born out of being saved. It's not something that is a requirement to be saved. Jesus went to John. And when Jesus was baptized, Jesus was baptized. And he had no need to be baptized if baptism is a condition for salvation. Because Jesus had no sin. He did not need to repent. He did not need to be saved. Why was Jesus baptized? He tells John. He says it is so we can fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is literally being baptized. We, we, we have this, this uh, a doctrine, I guess you could call it, of what is called his, his active obedience. Jesus, not only did he pay the penalty for our sin, but we receive, he was actively obedient. He did, he fulfilled everything that is, that should a, a law following person should do. He did everything and he never sinned and he never sinned by omission or commission and he never sinned by omission. It means he never did, if there was something he should have done, he did it. So Jesus was baptized, not because he had to. Jesus was baptized for those who could not be. Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. I'm sorry, I got an itch in my nose. And it's for those of you watching the video, I apologize. Um, for the thief on the cross, didn't he, he didn't need to be baptized because Jesus was baptized on his behalf. Jesus was baptized. Jesus did everything on our behalf. Every act of righteousness he did was credited to us because we never did it. And every... Uh, and every sin we committed was forgiven because he never committed a sin. Does that make sense? And so why was Jesus baptized to fulfill all righteousness for those people who are on their way to the church to be baptized after they've been saved and they want to make the public proclamation and they get hit by a bus and they never make it there to be baptized. They don't need some person to be baptized for them later. That is a, that is a false teaching and it, it is wrong. Paul does not teach that we should be baptized because literally in the, the verse that they use for baptisms of the dead, he says, why are they then 
If there is no resurrection, why are they then baptized for the dead? He's talking about these people who do not believe in the resurrection, yet they are being baptized for dead people in order to provide a, a, a proxy salvation or a um, vicarious salvation through this. But they don't even believe in the, bab- in the resurrection. So why are they baptized for the dead? And Paul, he delineates between us and they. They are baptized for the dead, not us. Nowhere in any Christian doctrine ever has baptism for the dead been a thing except for when Joseph Smith decided to start doing it. And and I could be wrong and you can send me examples and I'll, I'll admit if I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't know of any in a Christian, Christian worldview. So again, It is appointed once for man to die and then judgment. There is no opportunity for salvation after we die. It's not. It's it's made very clear here in Hebrews. It is appointed once for man to die and after that comes judgment. Let him talk a little bit more and then I'll get into the last little thing I want to respond with. For example, in 2 Kings, the prophet Elisha commands the Syrian captain Naaman to go and wash in the Jordan River seven times in order to be healed of his leprosy. He is reluctant at first because of the simplicity of the task. His servant says, If the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? So Naaman humbles himself and washes, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Never once did he boast of having cleaned himself. He knew who had actually cleaned him, and he was converted to the God of Israel. This story has baptism imagery all over it. It's even in the same river where John the Baptist would later baptize Christ. Was it Naaman's work that cleaned him? No, it was the grace of God. Did Naaman need to wash in the river to receive that gift? Yes, because that's what was asked of him, and we believe it is also what Christ has asked of us through baptism. If you have more questions about grace versus works or salvation versus exaltation, check out these videos. There's also more info on this subject in the description. Have a great day. All right. So the last thing I want to deal with, and I'm going to read, and I just did this funeral this weekend. And, and this is this is kind of my go-to text for a funeral when I'm not sure of a person's salvation or not. Um, my my wife, this it was her cousin. I only met him one time, never really had maybe a handful of interactions on Facebook. I did not know him. She and I, I trust her judgment, is convinced that he is saved. And so great. Uh, don't hear me saying this. But I use this text when I'm not sure. I'm not confident. I'm not, uh, you know, but it, it's a good text. It's, it's Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus. There was a rich man who was clothed in fine, in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor na- man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime you received that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. 
And beside all this, between us, this is the important thing. Between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So, the key in this and where we deal with Mormon theology is the fact that he says there's a great chasm fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able. And this is a, a good point because there will be the I'm, I'm sure there are those of us who will go to heaven that still would love the opportunity to share the gospel with people in hell. And, and see them saved. It, it's just, it's, I mean, it was Joseph's natural inclination when his mother was so upset by the death of the baby and the Baptist preacher who came and said, oh, well, that baby wasn't baptized. He's in hell, which is not a proper teaching. That man was wrong. And so Joseph, instead, he goes, oh, no, no, mom, we can, we can baptize the baby for the dead and, and we can do this. And then, of course, there's age of accountability and so many other things. But Joseph's natural inclination was, we want to go save these people who are in hell. And that would be, but it says, for those who would come from here to there, cannot. There's no passing back and forth. There's no going from, from Abraham's bosom or paradise or whatever into Hades to preach the gospel, to share the gospel so these people can be saved. And those cannot pass there. There's no changing of location. And so then judgment is going to come and those who are in Abraham's bosom in paradise are going to be welcomed into heaven, new heavens and new earth and all that good stuff. And Hades is going to be cast into the lake of fire. There is no changing location once it is fixed. And this either, either Joseph is right or Jesus is lying when he teaches this parable. I'm going to stick with Jesus. Because the chasm is fixed. There's no passing back or forth. Hebrews 9.27 And just as it is it appointed once for man to die, and after that comes judgment. So this vicarious works for the dead is nothing can, can happen from back or forth. And also, the, the, the more pertinent statement to the fact in here is Jesus was baptized so that those of us who for whatever reason cannot. Now, if it's just absolute rejection of, of the command to be baptized, well, then we have to examine whether or not that person is really saved. Because, and, and, and again, I was that guy for a long time. I refused to be baptized because after having been baptized as, in, as a Mormon, being initiated into a witch's coven, um, you know, declaring myself a, a slave of Allah for Islam. I mean, there was no real ritual in that. But, the, the prayers and the, and the washings, uh, the anointings and so on, all those things that I did because they were required to be saved. When it came time when I became a Christian, I was like, I'm going to prove to y'all people that I don't have to be baptized and I'm still going to see you in heaven. I literally was rebelling against the command and I, I would have to go back and go, I don't know if I, I mean, if I was saved and, and I, I was, I was very immature and, and, my story of being baptized is, is just as, you know, 
as God ordained as anything, because I came into the, to the church one day was supposed to be teaching kids. And, uh, I walked past and I saw my pastor teaching a, a baptism class. And I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm teaching baptism. We were doing baptism today. And I didn't, couldn't believe the words coming out of my mouth. I was like, I want to be baptized. Not that I thought that it was required to be saved because I do not. Baptism does not save us. Baptism is a command. It's something we should do to show obedience and, and love for Christ. But it is not required. If something happens, if there's some reason, I mean, a number of people I know who have been saved in jail and don't have the opportunity to be dunked for baptism. I dumped some water on a guy. The only only time, well, two times I've actually participated in a sprinkling baptism. And one was because there was a guy who was going to, going to, to prison for murder. And he got saved in my Bible study and he wanted to be baptized. And the only thing I could do was bring in a bottle of water and sprinkle some on his head. But it was not a requirement. He was saved before that baptism happened. And if, if for whatever reason, if he had got shipped off into to the prison and was never able to be baptized, I'm totally confident he would have made it into heaven and will be in heaven. But we see example, and it's called systematic theology. It's where we take the things about a certain thing, and we look at them all, and we find the harmonization in them. Harmonization, is that a word? It is now. Um, so again, we can look at the fact that Jesus says to the priest, uh, the thief on the cross, priest on the cross, there's a Freudian slip, thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. Today you will be with me. You will be no requirement for salvation or for baptism at that point in time whatsoever. Jesus didn't say, okay, you know, as long as somebody goes and, and does a vicarious work and, you know, blah, 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 blah you know, uh, Lazarus Smith, you, having been commissioned Jesus Christ, I baptize you for it on behalf of the thief on the cross who is dead. There's nothing of that. Jesus confidently says to that man who has we have no reason to believe he was baptized today you will be with me in paradise because christ was doing the work on the cross and christ had been baptized to fulfill all righteousness so that man could be reconciled and jesus could confidently say today you will be with me in paradise so there you go is baptism is baptism required for salvation it is a work that we are saved to do, but by no means does that work contribute anything to our salvation. It is a work that we do, sacrament that we do, an ordinance, whatever you want to call it, that we do because we are already saved. Because the salvation has already happened. And if for whatever reason you don't do that, you don't need anyone else to do it for you, and it's not going to keep you out of heaven if you have repented and put your faith and in, in, in faith and trust in Christ. So there you go. Uh, hope that helps. Hope uh, that all made sense to you. And as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm -hmm.